Hello everybody, Tim O'Donoghue here with Pieces of Wholeness. Today I'm here with Chelsea Castro, who is a psychotherapist who specializes in working with lawyers. Chelsea, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Glad to be here. Good, good. Well, I, I was talking to you a little bit before the show and found out some more about you, some fascinating things about your background in terms of being a lawyer and then becoming a psychotherapist. Do you want to talk a little bit about, well, actually, why don't we start with a little bit about what you do? Like you focus on working with attorneys or lawyers. How, what sort of work do you do with them? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I focus on working with lawyers uh, from a variety of different uh, areas in the legal field. A lot of my work with them ends up focusing on helping them get through like the rough patches they experience. Uh, people use the term work-life balance a lot, and that's right, great, right. but a lot of the work actually ends up taking a look at how the challenges of being an attorney mm -hmm. uh, can be overcome so that they can enjoy their work more, so that they can enjoy their time at home more and end up being more productive while they're at work and more relaxed while they're at home. Which is great because that, I'm just thinking the attorneys I've known, that's been a struggle. It's been because there's a lot of work that they, it seems like they're always doing work. They're always going through some sort of brief or reading something or preparing for something that it's difficult oh, yes. to have that balance. It's an endless priority list. And a lot of the work we do is figuring out um, how to manage those priorities and manage all the feelings and anxieties, the, the stressors that go along with the day-to-day -day work of being an, a lawyer. Yeah. So you got interested in the work uh, because you were a lawyer. That's right, yes. And so tell me about that. Like, how did you... How was that? How did you become a lawyer? And So I was uh, in law school, like any lawyer <laughs> is, and uh, I saw uh, pretty early on the, the stressors, the impact of the stressors that just studying law um, has on, on people, yeah. uh, both in my classmates and in myself. And then uh, after graduation, I practiced law like most law students do. And I once again saw it in the workplace. It wasn't just a law student thing. It was a lawyer and a legal profession thing. Yeah. The, the impact of the culture of the legal profession, how things are structured, the expectations, and actually even the kind of person that tends to be attracted to practicing law, that includes myself, how we uh, deal with the stressors and how we manage the, the whole work-life balance Interesting. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little about, about that, because I've, I've definitely, you know, I've, I've been doing this for 25 years as a counselor, and different professions have a different feel to how they present in the office, and mm -hmm. I'm curious, you said the type of person, like what, how would you define that? And of course, knowing that no stereotype is yeah. absolute, but yeah. just what, what are you talking about when you're... Well, as you can imagine, uh, lawyers tend to be high achievers. Mm -hmm. And being a high achiever can be great, but it is a double-edged sword. You tend to be a very accomplished individual, very capable of problem-solving, excellent. Uh, but you can also be very much burdened by perfectionism, yeah. which, yes, it might drive you to do great things, but it can also have significant psychological impact uh, to both your personal and professional detriment. Mm -hmm. uh, lawyers also tend to uh, hide their struggles a lot. 
which makes the struggle itself compounded, of course, when you're afraid to seek out help, when you're afraid to admit to colleagues, hey, I'm struggling with X, Y, Z, or I'm even just focusing on a legal issue. I don't know the the solution to this. What else can I do to help me with this? Showing those weaknesses is something that's very common in high... Fear of showing those weaknesses, excuse me, is very common in high achievers and attorneys specifically. It doesn't have to be like that, but that tends to be the default for a lot of lawyers. Sure. And it makes me think about trust. And I mean, Mm -hmm. of course, trust can be a challenge having developing safety for any person coming in the office. But I can see how like on the continuum of opening up and trust that profession might they might have a harder time with it. And then also makes me think like, okay, well, that's that's brilliant that to go from an attorney to become a psychotherapist because that kind of bridges that gap a little bit right yes yes absolutely actually I have found that a lot of my clients which are mostly lawyers they have said to me well actually you know I had a really hard time figuring out if I could find a therapist that understood what this was like right because it's such a different kind of world like and I have to Mm -hmm. agree with them for a law student, it's very hard for other people to understand what that experience is like to be a law student in law right. school. And it's the same thing for lawyers. It's hard for outsiders to understand what the legal culture is like unless they're already in it. Yes. So the kind of expectations that lawyers have from their employers, that lawyers have from their clients, that lawyers have from of each other, that's hard for outsiders to understand. The dedication to one's work and meeting those goals is hard for others to understand. Right. The, the level of sacrifice that you're willing to make for your work is hard for others to understand so talking to a therapist who knows what that's like who's been there and done that and also has the skills to clinically walk you through it so that you can get achieve your goals in a healthy way yeah that's unique and I've really appreciated that my clients have been able to find that in me and I've been able to help them that's fantastic yeah, I mean, because that understanding, just them walking in the door and already knowing they have that level of understanding or that you have that. Yeah, dude, I get them. it. I've been there. Yeah. I get it. And plus, probably sometimes some of the things you learn might apply to their lives, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the definitely have found that. So, um, you, we were talking a little bit about your international work. As, as, can you talk a little bit about that? and? Yes, I was actually fortunate enough to uh, do a dual degree when I was at American University getting my law degree. I also did a master's in international development. So uh, upon graduation from law school, I didn't jump straight into the law. I actually did some international consulting in the nonprofit arena where I worked with female attorneys and uh, organizations that helped them from around the world. And uh, one of the programs that I consulted with, I had the privilege of... Uh, working with female attorneys from the Arabian Peninsula, oh, wow. from a variety of countries there, and they so came over to. Uh, I was in D.C. at the time, and we were able to introduce them and expose them to different areas of the legal practice in Washington D.C. Uh, for so they would come here wanting to learn more about yes. like our way of doing yes, it, or our, they would not just uh, the or, legal or. world in the United States, but like the the experience of other female attorneys in the United yeah. States and the opportunities they had or the challenges they faced and how they navigated them and just a, it's it's a, essentially a cultural exchange and it was really great experience that for everyone really, involved. Did anything stand out from that in terms of like the different like the main difference you picked up between being a female lawyer here and somewhere else? 
It's, I mean, it probably varied, right? There were a lot of assumptions uh, from the people we, from the women we work with, that things were easier for us as women uh, attorneys okay. here in the United States. Obviously, each um, place is going to be different and have its unique challenges. But okay. there were a lot of assumptions that female attorneys didn't have uh, to overcome a lot of the cultural barriers that are exist for female attorneys abroad. But they discovered that actually they they exist for us here too. Wow. And do you speak other languages? Uh, yes, my first language is actually Spanish. Oh, okay, and, right. And um, so I'm bilingual, and I have done some work uh, with clients who prefer to speak Spanish oh, that's in session. Such an extra resource! Wow, you have like so much different, varied experience, and then to have like that too. It, it, it already you can reach different populations in terms of. I mean, I know in our area there's a lot of people who are English isn't they haven't learned English yet, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that could be a struggle. Yeah, yes, it definitely has been the case. And actually, I've met uh, business people and other attorneys who did their work, I mean, have practiced abroad and happen to be uh, now working in the United States. And they speak English, but they're just more comfortable in the foreign language. It's actually something I experienced when I, back when I was practicing law, not as a therapist, but as you know, I I did international work as a lawyer as well. And sometimes it's just more comfortable to, even though you speak both languages, to relay information in one language or the other. Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Like the people's first language would probably most times be the most comfortable for them. Right. So that, that's great. Um, so you took that experience and then brought it into your own private practice where you, again, you focus on lawyers working with them. And what would you say, do you have any stories like a success story in terms of Yeah, actually, I'm, there's one person in particular that does stand out, uh, this, an attorney again mm-hmm. uh, and this woman uh, was in big law just like I used to be um, very familiar story of someone who was a high achiever and uh, really uh, wanted to find some sort of balance between her career ambitions and her professional go- and her personal goals excuse me um, she started noticing that she was having difficulty concentrating while at work, that she even had trouble just starting to connect with people in her personal life because her work was very consuming, mm-hmm. whether she was in the office or not. And uh, oddly enough, and this is actually quite common, even though she was experiencing anxiety and stress and worry in her mind to everybody on the outside, she seemed to be doing just fine. Yeah. Which is a common lawyer experience yeah. too. So you're you're struggling privately, but uh, and but on paper into the outside world you're doing great. So it sometimes makes seeking help even harder. Yes. Because you don't want to disturb that illusion. That's, and so she knew what she was experiencing. But exactly. I'm just thinking, I I've had clients who are high achievers who. It's almost like they know something's going on, but mm-hmm. they don't even know it's anxiety. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. That's us speaking as clinicians, labeling it as anxiety. But for like for this individual and others, it's more like I'm having difficulty concentrating. I um, have difficulty sleeping or staying asleep. I I find that I'm like not as social as I used to be. Or I, they start identifying uh, somatic or bodily sensations like oh I'm I yeah. my heart is beating fast or I start shaking a little bit. But it's just, it becomes so commonplace in their day that they don't realize, hey, these are warning signs. So you know something's up, but 
what do you do about it? Especially if you've just assumed this is par for the course, because it's hard work being a lawyer. It's a hard experience. Uh-huh. I'm just going to push through it. Um, yeah. This particular individual you asked me about, uh, she just happened to get to a point where she thought, okay, you know, I don't want to be like this anymore. I could be like this. I could just continue like this because mm-hmm. I'm a hard worker and I've gone through worse and I overcame law school and the mm-hmm. bar and finding work. I can do this. Resilience, but do I yeah. want to continue living like this? And so she uh, she sought out somebody who figured out, you know, figured she understood understood how she was feeling and um long story short we ended up uh working uh, a lot on what we later were able to identify were anxiety symptoms and focusing on a lot of solution based approaches so uh, from clinician to clinician cognitive behavioral therapy was something we found very helpful yes. um it involved a lot of just challenging how what her initial thoughts were in reaction to the stressors that were in her life so it wasn't about changing her career or um, uh, changing what her personal expectations were her goals like she still had the freedom to pursue the kind of family life she wanted and be the high-powered big law attorney she wanted to be but it was about applying science-based skills to help her manage those stressors in a more productive healthier way yeah and i think i just even coming into a situation a counseling situation to be able to have someone there who can help like her for instance see that whole bigger picture like this is your reality and then how do you find balance within this mm-hmm. rather than oh i have to create this different sort of balance yeah you don't right? need to move out to the country become a chicken farmer or yeah like that. no offense to chicken <laughs> right. farmers it's just it's a matter of like how can you make tweaks yeah yeah and i'm all about science-backed evidence-based uh psychotherapy yeah i think it's especially for attorneys it's very important to know Mm -hmm. that if you are investing time and money into something it you already you need to know that it's going to be science-backed results for it they want results which is interesting because i'm thinking like probably for many of the people you're describing like a rogerian approach might even be best but they might struggle with that mm-hmm. because just having this session where they're being empathized with and having to, you know lower kind of soften their parasympathetic nervous mm-hmm. system or, or whatever it might be would be good for them right yeah and that's certainly yeah. integrated yes into the therapy but they also benefit a lot from having for lack of a better term homework to mm-hmm. apply mm-hmm. and then gather evidence on how that went and then reevaluate over and over again um, yeah, and it's been pretty consistently that that's that's been very helpful for them. But yeah, you you point out something no, I mean, very that valuable sounds, there. That sounds right because like you meet, you know, as you know, like you meet the person where they are, mm-hmm. and what works in one realm of their life might work in the area they're struggling with too. Yeah, from something they know. Um, you had mentioned, and, I, and I'm not sure if this is out of turn here, but the science of productivity. So when you were saying mm-hmm. research based, is that tied with that or oh yeah definitely that. uh well I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit of a productivity nerd i gotta admit that just going mm-hmm. going ahead um attorneys and lawyers in my experience um ex- uh, have trouble with productivity oftentimes when they're struggling through anxieties and additional stressors and then that right. struggle with productivity adds to the anxiety and the additional stressor so part of the work 
I often do with lawyers is examining uh, the systems or lack of systems they have set up to set themselves up for success. So that could be to whether or not they even have a priority list. Well, let me tell you, like most lawyers are going to have a list that has like at least 200 things they need to do on it. But like, how are you going to prioritize with the list of 200? So then you take uh, some of the productivity studies that are out there and you apply to that situation. And for example, recommendations are now saying that you should have a, make a list of uh, just three things the night before that need to get done the next day. And we can, I could talk on and on about wow. this, but that's just wow. a small well, example. Well, I, I think it's fascinating. Oh, something so, yeah. like that. So um, you would actually break, like someone who might have 200 on their list, mm-hmm. you would, that would be hard to break it down to It's very hard, yes. Three, I mean, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, and of course, that yeah. other list is going to continue to exist. People would freak out if they didn't get to have exactly. the 200 number yeah. list. Uh, but how are you, it's going to impede your productivity if you're working from a list of 200 as opposed to the night before you get into the office, you know yeah. what three things you're going to tackle in very specific terms. Yeah. So we work on things like that. Uh, then, it, could you explain a little bit further, like for the listeners, excuse me, that um, why would that impede their productivity? Because some people would think like, well, 200 things, like, well, even if I don't get them all done, then I'll have the next 100 for tomorrow or whatever. But why would it impede? I agree, but why would it impede their productivity? There's a lot of distraction. Uh, when, it, when you think you have to do all of these things and they're all equally as important. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of anxiety that goes into knowing I have to do all, or thinking that I have to do all of these things today, as opposed to just being able to fo- logically focus on the three that you've already identified yeah. and used evidence to identify why and how prior to walking in the office that day. Uh, and having a list of 200 as opposed to three is much more conducive to you task switching because you want to accomplish all of these, but you you're human so you can't do them all at the same time Mm -hmm. but you're also human and a high achiever in most cases Mm -hmm. so you're going to try to jump from one to the other or have systems set up so that it's easy to jump from one to the other and every time our brains are asked to task switch from let's say an email to a phone call or one subject matter to the other we lose essentially it's just milliseconds of productivity because we have to catch the rest of our brain up for it but those milliseconds add up a lot and they actually yeah. often get translated as stress in the brain. So you're reacting to the stress of the task switching, which we know some stress can be good, but a constant amount of stress, even in tiny elements, does add up to a greater amount of stress, which if we're really gonna go big picture here, contributes to a chronic stress that we see in the legal profession. Yeah. So that is going yeah. from a very small thing of the priority list to chronic stress but we're when i'm working with lawyers who are experiencing productivity challenges we're looking to start small so that we can make tangible changes right here and now that can then change the big picture over time yeah this is great i mean do you, i'm just thinking as i'm listening like if somebody was listening and say they're not an attorney and like boy i like that i want to I want to learn some of that. Would do do you ever see clients who are not attorneys? Oh Is yes, that part of the, absolutely. Okay. I do see clients who are professionals, professionals in other industries, uh, but I just happen to have the the background and the specialty of knowing how to work with lawyers. Yeah. Uh, but I find that a lot of those skills are transferable to other professions, the tech and finance industries, for example, yeah. and entrepreneurs as well. Yes, I can see that. Yeah, wouldn't it be great one day if like every profession 
was part of the training that you go to counseling. Oh to man, I think everybody should take get away counseling. That, right, <laughs> take away that negative stereotype of like it's just when there's a problem and it's it's no, this is something that will it's a tool help you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I view it as a tool. Mm-hmm. That's really that's really great. So how would you, what would you say? Uh, and maybe this is an obvious question or or not is the main differences for you between being a lawyer and a counselor. Oh, that's an interesting question. I mean, I imagine there were quite different experiences. Yes, they have their similarities, but I'd say the biggest difference for me from the therapist perspective is that I have the privilege and the opportunity to connect more with uh, people that I'm working with. And as an attorney, you're, you're also in a helping profession, but I get to help from a more personal level as a therapist and I find that I really thrive in that yeah and so and and then where you're at and we'll, you can leave your address and contact information in a, in a couple of minutes but um, you're downtown Chicago so I imagine there's a lot of attorneys yes. in the area yes yeah I, I can pretty and confidently say that most people uh, walk to my office or take a short cab ride yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool yeah that, that is really cool there's a lot of lot of people down here. Yeah, yeah. they can. Uh, they end up coming like uh, either before work or take an early lunch or do lunch or a late lunch, and they can easily pop in and out of the office without uh, much issue. Mm-hmm. And then, so I guess another question: coming into this profession, being a counselor, has that along with that has that helped you find the life balance in your own life? Because I imagine as an attorney, you probably experienced some of that same out of balance. Yes, I definitely experienced uh, the stereotypical stuff we've talked about with the lawyer experience. That was definitely part of my story and part of what inspired me to become a a psychotherapist, especially specializing in uh, working with lawyers. Uh, Yes, I do find that I've struck a a healthier balance between my professional and personal life. Uh, But hey, I'm still human and I'm still what I call myself a recovering high achiever. So I have to uh, consistently implement what I know uh, works for me for keeping my expectations in check, for working uh, with productivity in mind, uh, and uh, making sure I I maintain personal connections in a healthy way. And and when I'm at work, I'm at work. And when I'm at home, I'm at home. Yeah, it takes work to, to keep that up definitely takes work very good so do you uh, you work with men and women i do yes okay so and then where are you located do you want to give little info like contact information absolutely i as you said i'm here in downtown chicago the address is 205 north michigan avenue Uh, and uh, people can reach me easily via phone at 766-4612 and actually my website is really user-friendly 766-4612 Thank you very much. Yeah, it's actually 312. Oh, 312. So I'll repeat that for you. It's 312-776-4612. And they can check me out on the website, which is www.castrojacobs.com. Very good. And if you come here, you also, after your session, you can go down and shop and have oh, lunch because yeah. in this building there's a lot downstairs <laughs> there's right? a lot it's going great. on yeah. here yeah so if somebody wanted to just relax for the afternoon like after a session there's plenty to do downtown absolutely very good um anything else you wanted to share uh well 
I think that we are at the cusp of a big change in the legal profession, change for the good. Okay. Uh, we've seen a trend towards well-being that I've been advocating for for years, and I'm yes. so thrilled that uh, there there seems to be change in the wind here. There mm. was that um, there was the toolkit and the uh, invitation for a well-being challenge set out by the ABA last year, oh, and I'm nice. proud to say I'm one wow. of the speakers mentioned in their publication oh, as somebody good. who speaks on lawyer well-being. Um, okay. The issues surrounding that and trains lawyers on on those subject matter, and I think it's uh, we're at the precipice for a change where it's not as stigmatized as it used to be, and people are finally starting to realize, hey, you know, this is a tool that we can employ to be better lawyers and to be happier, healthier lawyers. It doesn't need to be stigmatized like it has been in past decades. We're, we're at the precipice here, and change is in the wind. So I'm really excited about that. Very good. Okay. So yeah, I. I forgot to mention that you're also a speaker I mean you obviously present very well and so can people like if someone's listening you know John Smith with his suburban law firm he could absolutely yes yes speak to them I I have trained hundreds of lawyers judges and law students on well-being subject matter Um, mental health and substance abuse would be my specialty so in Illinois uh, every attorney is required to fulfill mental health and substance abuse credit continue for continuing education and I've done a lot of presentations on that and could still do Uh, right now my newest uh, trainings uh, focus on perfectionism which we mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. basically how to um, handle perfectionism so that it helps your productivity and doesn't hurt it and also, I have a presentation and training on imposter syndrome, which is a whole other podcast oh, onto itself, okay. which a lot of attorneys struggle with. Yeah. And then another on procrastination, how that's connected to mental health and substance abuse, and how attorneys specifically can can work around that and improve their work. And so, in impos- feeling like you're not the the kick-ass know. attorney you yeah. are, yeah, okay. yeah, right. exactly. Yes. Um, it's something a lot of high achievers tend to struggle with. Yeah. So on paper, they do great. They know logically their accomplishments are on paper. But internally, in secret, they they have struggles yeah. uh, surrounding actually enjoying the, the their success because they don't believe they actually have earned it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I do, I do presentations all over the state of Illinois, both online and in person. Fantastic. Well, so thank you for being here. Chelsea Castro. And this is Tim O'Donohue with Pieces of Wholeness. And thank you for joining us. Thank you, Tim. And goodbye. Take care.